Welcome to the new and retooled gray area, the podcast for, by, and about baby boomers. And I'm John, and today we have with us Jack and Babette. And we are going to talk about things, all things baby boomer. This show is a discussion format about things related to the most powerful generation in the last 75 years, the baby boomers. And guess where you can find us? I'm trying to guess. Uh, I mean, you could guess forever, almost everywhere. everywhere. We're, we're going to be all over the place, thanks to Anchor. We'll be on iTunes and Pocket mm-hmm. Cast and Stitcher. And, but that isn't really a thing because y- they should already know that if they're hearing us. That's right. They've yes, already they found should. us. Nice. It's the new and retooled version. I'd like to think of it more as a renaissance. Uh, we've had a hard time with this episode, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But you can leave a review if you have ideas about baby boomer things or you want to just connect with us you can find us at the gray area one and jack that's an arabic one nice and it's at aol.com that's and gray is spelled g-r-a-y and you can leave us a review and i am especially glad to do this show because this is going to be our movie episode we have been trying to do this movie episode since the oscars and the last time we tried this we sort of figured out what the oscars was but i'm I'm kind of forgetting. Was it in April? No, it was the end of February. It's the end of February. So a long time we've been trying, and then I got sick. Um, A story about the medical industry that I would like to share. Then there was a technical problem. And so, yeah, this show is about people who are elderly, sort of. (laughs) And uh, here we are. So... Uh, first, we're from Columbus, Ohio, and I thought it was would be fitting to say that we're pretty proud of our city right now. Uh, it's at, uh, what, we're in the middle of June, and we just had the Gay Pride Festival, and that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, their estimates were 500,000 people were down there. And we had we had visitors from all over the Midwest coming to our Pride Festival. Nice, and we were saying that that's, I think that compares to, like, Austin, we, that, that is kind of an Austin thing to do, to have that kind of tolerance, that kind of diversity show up. And, you know, nothing happened. Right. Nothing happened. 500,000 people. Right. Nothing bad happened. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that implication of all those people <laughs> that something bad would happen. But uh, it was just a really good time. And, Babette, you got to sing there? Yes. Uh, Columbus Women's Chorus is uh, Central Ohio's only feminist chorus been around for 29 years we sang a set is there a website or anything where you could get information about the columbus women's chorus there is it's calls c-o-l-s women's chorus all one word no punctuation dot org nice and what songs did we sing we sang stand in the light and something called Changes, and then We Weren't Born to Follow. Interesting. Uh, good turnout for your concert? Uh, I mean, filled, up, filled the house, right? How could they not? Oh, it was packed. Yeah. And it's been kind of warm. It's, uh, <laughs> we've hit like 90 degrees, 95 degrees. It's not good for us old folks. I went outside to do some grass mowing, and I've read lots of stuff about don't do that. Yeah. And I really became a little lightheaded. I had to sit down for a minute because I was so hot and so fatigued. That's a Uh, dehydration thing. So if we're here for nothing else, it's a warning. Don't mow the grass. All right. So we wanted to do this episode for a long time, and the first thing that happened was that I got sick. 
And I want to share this story because it speaks to a lot of things. It speaks to the medical industry. It speaks to baby boomers. Uh, it speaks to the sensitivity of aging. But I got sick. I got the worst cold that I think I've ever gotten. I thought I was going to die. Three days. I probably didn't eat anything for a couple of days. Barely got out of bed. And um, finally was able to go in about the third day to go to work. But as the days kind of progressed, I wasn't really getting better after work, like I would be fatigued, worn out, just shot, and I assumed that it was because of this particular illness. So I called my doctor and asked if I could come visit and he could check me out. And I never got to talk to the doctor. I talked to a nurse or a, maybe it was a desk person, and she said that I was no longer the doctor's patient because four years had elapsed since I'd seen him. So you were being penalized for being healthy for four years and not requiring a doctor. I felt really bad about it. So I said, okay, what can I do to be his patient again? And they said, well, they would have to ask him if he would accept me as a patient. And I said, okay, there is another doctor who doesn't have it or who is saying he's uh, taking patients. And I said, can I use, use him? And they said that they would have to check with the doctor who wouldn't see me, but he was going to have to give the approval before I could see the other doctor. <laughs> Makes I, no sense. I don't understand the moment. <laughs> I don't understand what the point to all of that was. It really seemed bureaucratic, and I think it kind of speaks to where we are with the medical industry, but that continued on because I finally went to a minute clinic, a CVS thing, and the nurse there checked me out and asked me a bunch of questions, and then um, here's the part about aging. Then she kind of sat back, and she went, well, I mean, Believe me, I, I'm there too, So, but I think it's just because of your age. <laughs> You're just having a harder time bouncing back. Mm. And I thought, yeah, you don't have to be that apologetic about it because that just made a lot of sense. I was really sick, and as a 60-year-old person, it was just hard to bounce back. So you don't have to be so sensitive about it. Uh, I did get a call from my doctor. There is a happy ending to this story. He said he would take me back. Aww. So we are now, uh, again, on a good relationship, except for the fact that I said I would like to have a physical, and he said, okay, we'll make an appointment with my uh, nurse, and we can do that in August. 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 Nice. And that was May. Yeah. So I have to wait till August, and I know so many physical things can happen to me between now and August that I'm a little worried about where that's going to take me. So all that took place. We didn't do this episode. It was right when I wanted to do this episode. Yeah, and you and actually missed two days straight of work. And so, yeah, I don't do that very often. Yeah. Haven't done that very much. So uh, so we missed, we couldn't do the episode. We couldn't record. And then the last time we recorded, I lost a track. Again, I think that speaks to age and the electronics and all of the things that take place there. Um, I never found it. I have no idea where it went. It disappeared. It's a mystery. I feel like I may have children like that, but <laughs> I was I was completely baffled and looked all over, couldn't figure it out. So finally, I said, "Well, we're just going to have to do this again." But the second time should be the better, best time. Should be. And this Renaissance episode about the movies, uh, according to baby boomers. So we made a list, and uh, Bebe, what was your list about? We said top ten. And your list, you focused your list on what? Was it your favorite movies or movies about baby boomers or a combination of those things? Well, when, we, when I prepared for the last time, I thought it was movies about baby boomers, and I had about 20. But then this time, I came up with nine that could qualify as some of my favorites. So you now have two lists. Oh, I have so many lists. So many lists. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And Jack, your list? Uh, my list, I... Just off the top of my head, 10 movies that I enjoyed that sort of connect with baby boomers, except for a couple of them. And, uh, yeah, that's what I did. So it was sort of nostalgic. Yeah. But there was also some quality involved, right? Like sure. movies are made, it, they, it transcends time. If they're just good, well-made movies. Yeah, you can watch one yeah. 20 years from now, and it'll still be good. And so I went on the line. I figured out how to use Googles. <laughs> and looked for some lists, and I found a list from one of our favorite people, ARP. 
Nice. AARP, which I keep trying to remember what that is. It's retired people, right? The Association? American Association of Retired, of retired people. Peeps. Yes. So I looked on there, and I got their top 10 baby boomer movies. Interesting. And I think that's kind of like what you said, Jack, and maybe a combination of your lists, Babette, but um, they put together, I believe, what they thought was iconic baby boomer movies. And we know that that year goes from, you figured it out last time, the years for baby boomers. Oh, um, 1946 are the oldest baby boomers. So right after they got out of the war, yeah, they about that. And then I think... 64, I think, on the other end. 64, which just seems... After wait. Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, and so uh, I think they were trying to find an iconic list. And that got me to thinking, well, I wonder what... The current generation, like the 30s, what their iconic movies are going to be. So Rolling Stone had a list of top 10, and I think I might have gotten this. It just might have been the date, but I kept it, and it was the decade ending 2008. Okay. The decade ending 2008. Sure. So a group that's looking back, again, might look back to these types of movies, and the Rolling Stone gave us that list. So um, I have no real background in movies i see them some you guys are aficionados experts babette is the expert an expert i'm no expert but i'm a fan i'm a big fan and you were involved in the movie industry for a while i was uh, i was yeah Yeah. i uh i worked on a couple of movies and uh before and after film school Mm -hmm. and uh then i stopped working in making movies, but continued going to see a lot of them. And now I keep track of what I've seen with a blog. And uh, you can find that blog at babetteflix.blogspot.com. And that's B-A-B-E-T-T-E-F-L-I-X dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Excellent. And check that out because they're only, I mean, it's, it's a work in progress and you've, you've got five of them, right? About five movies that you've blogged about. <laughs> um, uh, my, I think my count is up to about 1,050 and I'm coming up on 10 years having written it. And I don't believe you're really doing justice to what you did in the movie industry because I have seen memorabilia and I've seen a, a sign poster from Back to the Future. Uh, yep. And a picture of young Babette with Gregory Peck. Uh, yes, right? oh, yes, of course. I'm the same age as Gregory Which Peck. Many of us could not even begin to say. I don't even. I've no. I've never been backstage to a movie set for one thing. Yeah, it's not. It's not Gregory Peck. But anyway, who is it? <laughs> it's Huey Lewis from the from the set of Back to the Future. The one day I went on set, I had an office job on back. I could have sworn that was Gregory Peck. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. (laughs) Oh, glasses. My focals do your thing. Gregory Peck is our parents' age. Yeah, but I thought back in the 80s. Yeah, but he was still. He would have been a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big star. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's Huey Lewis dressed up as the. Uh, the judge in the Battle of the Bands that Marty McFly was in before he went to the past. And that makes sense because I just remember seeing something about Huey Lewis being in that movie. And, yeah, that makes sense. Gregory Peck, is my face red? (laughs) Luckily, it's a podcast, podcast. so nobody can see that. There you go. Um, What would you say your your blog is geared toward? Are you reviewing movies? Well, I always do give an opinion, and since I got on Facebook, I try to give an opinion in the first uh, line, but uh, I'm very generous. I tend to like most things, and I also like to connect the filmmakers with other work that each one has done. That's really interesting. Um, As the review goes, as you said, you're really nice, so do you ever really just kill a movie? There have been qu- there have been a number. It's a small number, but there have been a number that I can't stand. And so, what are your adjectives like? Not very good, could be better kinds of things, or uh, have you really like given a movie like the finger? Uh, You're just too nice, I right? I can't think of one. Can you, Jack? No, I can't think of one that you really savaged. But yeah. all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Then, what's the, what's the worst movie that you felt assaulted by after you went there? Like you felt to- it was o- totally unfair for you to be there. Well, it's funny because Jack was asking me for movie lines today, and 
one movie back in the 80s, I think, 80s or 90s, that I just really hated was Reindeer Games. And it was Charlize Theron and Ben Affleck, and it was a double, triple cross kind of thing. I don't, I don't even remember why I hated it so much, but I did. Just hated it. I did. I remember that movie. I remember the uh, advertisements, but I don't think I saw it. And you know how long ago it was? I got a message from Blockbuster <laughs> that I had returned it, which really made me laugh. That That's how long ago it was. Jack. Yes. Worst movie ever? Um, I was just trying to think of it. There was one airplane disaster movie where there's a criminal on board, um, and I can't remember the name of it right now. Was it called Airport? No. Airport was better than, way better than this film. I'm going to look it up, and I'll let you know. It was but one it, with Nicolas Cage, but it was something about prison, about it leaving prison. Again, that one was way, way, <laughs> way better than Con this. Con Air. That was Con Air. That was Con Air. Air. Yeah. Uh, All right. And it was just terrible. And do you ever give Babette any uh, advice on what to do with the blog? Nope. Well, I ask him. No, I ask him. But I don't, I, she'll say, what would you think? And I'll say, I, yeah, I liked it or I, this part was good or like that. But then she does all this research about, like she said, connecting the directors and the music and the actors with other things that they've done. And it's well beyond my ability to do that stuff. So I think that movie was called Turbulence. That movie was called Turbulence, and Ray Liotta was in it, and he's normally good. But not this time. Oh, my goodness. And I don't think I can answer my own question, because I, I watch really bad movies a lot. Um, it's kind of a thing just to see how bad they can be. I saw one called The Wild Met West Meets Zombies or something, <laughs> and mm. it looked like that Clint uh -huh. Eastwood set when he painted it red in, the, in uh, what was that movie? Fistful of Dollars, maybe? Might have been. But uh, it was just a facade. It was it was a horrible movie. Uh, so Wild West meets the zombies or something like that. Don't do it. So you mentioned something about research, and I do know that the podcasts I listen to do a lot of research. That's really hard, so I don't do it. Yeah. But I looked at a couple of things, and I saw that in the Atlantic, but this was an article from, the, from 2016. It says, um, and I quote, Many of this year's Oscar bait films were green-lighted by baby boomers, deal with themes of interest to boomers and star boomers. My theory was, because we are the greatest generation in the last 75 years, that there are so many of us with movie dollars that we are influencing the industry. But then, Jack? The biggest group of people that's... Jane, you ignorant slut. That's yes. how that starts. Okay. <laughs> no, the, the people that are most frequent moviegoers, surprisingly, are aged 7 to 12. And it makes sense, especially in this this climate. Do you think that's always been the way, or do you think that the, I don't know. the uh, evolution of Pixar and, yeah. and animation has changed that? But the, the other thing about that, that was from 2016, but the other thing about that is those kids do not go to movies by themselves. Oh, true They're enough. accompanied by... A parent or a grandparent to see these things and I think that's why they're aiming at both those audiences at the older folks and the very younger folks at the same time. According to that Atlantic article they uh, mentioned things like the theory of everything and boyhood, the Marigold movie, Oh, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Yeah. And, and, the second, and the sequel. And the sequel, The Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. And I'm glad you said that because in the article they said that is the f the biggest indicator of it being a movie for baby boomers because it got a sequel. And it's yeah. it features older sure. actors and themes, right? Yeah. yeah. They mentioned those things and say that we are if we aren't now, we are going to be pretty... Um, What's the word? We have a pretty big say in what the movie industry does for us. When, when you consider uh, this, uh, I had to get this in there before I forget it. 1.32 billion tickets were sold in 2016 to movies. Wow. That's a lot in, of tickets. In the U.S. and Canada alone. Yeah. I bet that makes your 1,000 movies seem minuscule by yes. comparison. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, and when Jack brings up Before We Forget, I mean, this is common to us boomers, is that our uh, brain cells aren't what they used to be, and uh, we start to forget, thi forget things, and that's the reason that I do the blog. It's like what you, you called an online journal, mm -hmm. because we still go to a couple of movies most weeks, and then somebody would say to me, or Jack, well, what'd you see this week? And we go, um... 
makes sense. I write about it, and first of all, writing about it helps me remember it better. But then I all, you know, I can outsource my memory to the internet. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then like you said, it's almost a public service. By golly, there you can it is. tell people I saw this movie. Yes. And uh, instead of, I think I saw it, which I do a lot. Oh, I think I saw it, but I'm not sure when. And I think Rene Russo's in it. And then somebody says, no, that's Dana Delaney. And <laughs> who knows? Um, and, and so there you are. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about lists, I'm not quite sure where to start. Um, Babette, I think you're going to not appreciate this question, but favorite all time movie? Well, I picked one. And, you know, it could change. But I, I picked it last week when we did this before, and it was Robert Altman's Shortcuts, which had many, many stories and many, many actors mm-hmm. all taking place during um, in Los Angeles while they were spraying for past... Hey, Steve, the helicopters are here! Shut the windows! Dogs, and maybe there was an earthquake and all kinds of things. And I lived in LA at the time. And Jack, um, favorite had, this movie? If I had to pick right now, my favorite movie would be Animal House. <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, a damn near perfect comedy from. Funny. Uh, until the last uh, 11 or 12 minutes when just kind of because you can't end a comedy how can you and it's directed by i th- think ivan reitman might have been ivan reitman the nice part about or the fun part about animal house is it's kind of like snl in kindergarten yes right? all those all those guys like got that. launched yeah yeah and uh it also it it bridged the gap between national lampoon and SNL. That's correct. So many people migrated over from that. Yeah. Um, so funny movie. And your favorite part? Directed by John Landis. John Landis. Yeah, I was going to. Written by Harold that. Ramis. I'm not sure I have. Who a is f- National Lampoon fame? Yes. Harold Harold Ramis. Yes. I I, I do think the sir, the funniest part for me is um, when they go to the dean's office and bring a horse up to the dean's office, and then hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to spoil that uh, in case you haven't seen it in the last 45 years. But that's when you could watch you can watch that one every year and still pick up something. What year was it? Was the 60s? No, that was in the 70s. It was set in 78 the 70s. or 9. Mr. Dorfman. Hello. 0.2. Fat, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Nice. So, according to Rolling Hoover, Stone, which of Delta it, House, the thing that I noticed about the Rolling Stone list is that it's very violent. Interesting. And this goes from 2008. However, I can't say too much about that because my list has a lot of violent movies on it. Mm-hmm. I my favoriteest movie ever is Tombstone. Mm-hmm. It is a, a fab. The last of the westerns that wasn't a spaghetti western, but hasn't turned into whatever they're doing now. You don't see too many westerns, I guess. Um, Bill Paxson's in it. He's great. Cowboys Sam Elliott, Kurt Russell. Me? I see a red sash. I kill my man wearing it. So run, you curse. Uh, run! Tell all the other curse the lies coming. You tell them I'm coming. And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! One of the few movies that I know a lot of lines to. Nice. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is in it, absolutely, as Doc Holliday. So much, I like that part so much that I have watched documentaries about Doc Holliday just to see how he did, and he was pretty damn good. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Yeah, Val Kilmer. I'll be your Huckleberry. Absolutely. (laughs) So that's, that's my favorite movie, kind of violent. And my second favorite movie was Braveheart, which is also kind of violent, violent, yes, uh, a bit. So I I get the Rolling Stone thing. The Rolling Stone, the favorite movie from the decade that ended in 2008, the number one movie, There Will Be Blood. It's violent. Yeah, there's some lurking (laughs) violence in there, too. A lot of violence. A lot of violence. A lot of violence. Number two on their list, uh, the Rolling Stones list, was Children of Men. That was a really good movie. Violent? No, not not, there's a threat. Not overtly, there's right. There's a threat of violence. People are being pursued. Mm-hmm. It's it's scary, but it's more of a psychological. 
drama, and and it's a sci science fiction in that it comes, it takes place in a time when women are no longer able to conceive babies. So, it, but did they give the year, or did you just assume? Ooh. Like I'm not sure they do, and it's mm -hmm. based on a novel by an English woman. It's not, and it wasn't new, a new novel at that time either. Okay. Number three on their list was Mulholland Drive. And I, again, I have absolutely no clue what that movie is. Uh, well, I used to live near Mulholland Drive, and uh, there, uh, Nick Nolte, I think, I'm picturing, I think. Anyway, um, he, and, he and a group of guys, sometimes when they want to punish people, they push them off cliffs from upper Mulholland Drive to below because it's very, very hilly. Well, that's pretty violent. Yeah, it's vi Oh, yeah, it's violent. Four and five are hist history of violence, which I assume is violent. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes. And no country for old men. There you yep. go. Also violent. But also what violent. a what a fantastic villain. Go ahead. I don't. Uh, you, you're talking about no country for old men. Yes. yes. The the guy with the hydraulics and um, kind of a weapon that can he shoots through doors and stuff. It's just I thought bad. it was air powered. Might be yeah, it could be. Yeah, it's air powered. You're right. And he it put bolts in it or something and shot people in the head. A little violent. A little violent. A little yeah. violent. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Yes. With a really terrible haircut. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The haircut is hilarious. Yes. That maybe that's why he's so angry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And number six on the Rolling Stones list is The Incredibles, and that is the first uh, animated film to show up in any list that I have seen. Um, and it's just now getting a sequel. And I believe people... Did it open? Like it did. Really it opened, money, right? It opened big. $168 million? Am I remembering that correctly? Or I don't remember. Lots and lots of millions. Yeah. So animation uh, became a thing, and that started in, like, the 2008 decade there before 2008 so those dollars are going to probably older people people that want to go back uh, you know they're taking their kids sure. and, yeah. and grandkids yeah. yeah absolutely has it been that long for the Incredibles to have grandkids the first Incredibles I, I could take uh, Evie went to see my granddaughter went to see the second Incredibles just earlier this week yeah but the first one would have been just children wouldn't it that would have been too too early for yeah. grandchildren yeah, oh yeah, it would have been too early for grandchildren. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the exact year. But yeah, I don't either. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I'm not a huge animation fan either, but I do like that movie. I have seen that. Mm -hmm. um, going down their list, Brokeback Mountain, pretty violent, at least some of those scenes. Yeah. Uh, the Departed, Mystic River, uh, Lord of the Rings was the last one on the list and that made sense and that had some legs right that's still yeah, a thing that's yeah, still, still a thing, a thing. So some stuff yeah. going on with that uh, so that was their top 10 list from what was i'm not good at math 98 to 2008 that was the decade for that so we've talked about part of our list and some other lists so let's just find out what the lists are about so uh jack your list, we've heard number one was Animal House. Right, and you'll notice when Babette reads her list, or even John, when he reads his list in its entirety, you'll notice that there's a distinct difference in quality or in highbrowness <laughs> in theirs compared to mine. Um. Uh, what I, we, we already said Animal House. So Field of Dreams is on my list, along with Christmas Vacation, Zombieland, Anatomy of a Murder, To Kill a Mockingbird, Dunkirk, Get Out, Airplane, and Major League. That's my 10. And as I'm listening, I'm waiting for the violent movie. Oh, that's a good point. Dunkirk. And Dunkirk. One, right? And Dunkirk, it doesn't really count as a violent movie. Zombieland. More, more people are shot in Zombieland than any other movie Still I've ever seen. Still a comedy. It's a comedy, Still but it's got a, a high yeah. body count. Yeah. yeah. But then my on my reserve list, I have a couple that are sort of violent. Go on. Uh, cool Hand Luke. Classic. Which is a classic. Easy Rider has some violence in it. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause. James Dean. James yes. Dean. And then the uh, violence that was the Nixon presidency and all the president's men. Which is a really good historical uh, movie. It's fantastically Robert good historic movie. Robert Redford, Redford and Dustin Paul Hoffman. Newman, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. And they're reporters. Yes, for the Washington Post. It came out as a book first. Yep. So you, you're acting like everybody would know all the president's men. Do you think that's still something that 
or is it our generation? I think it's definitely generational, but if you also look at the post, which came out last year or yeah. the year before. Recently. <laughs> but recently, it was um, the same era and some of the same characters uh, and interacting. And the post is about the religious indiscretions, yes? No, I don't no, think I saw the post. The post was about the Pentagon Papers and the release mm -hmm. of those things. It also pertained to the war in Vietnam. So, yeah, it's another aimed at baby mm -hmm. boomer sort of thing. Spotlight was about the priests indiscretions. And this is a difficult question to ask, but you guys are really smart. So societal bent or um, influence, where do we see those playing a part in these kind of movies? Uh, both ways, but probably as a mirror on what's happening in society, what's happening at that time. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that there's going to be some of that. Um, and especially, I think most of us would understand that the film industry le leans left a little bit politically. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a chance to, as Babette suggested, the movie about the um, Catholic Church, Spotlight. Spotlight, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, that's a little backlash lefty. And then the same things about the post and the other things like that. So I think there is a reflection. So doing some armchair psychology and looking at that list from 1998 to 2008 and recognizing the violence, would we make some sort of psychological connection between that and that decade or that group of people? Uh, or what's going on in the world, or those kinds of things. It, I mean, movies have got to be a reflection, right? And we've always been we've always been more tolerant of violence in film than sex in film. Crazy. And so things get rated R for violence or R for sexual material, but they'll let any kind of violence stuff go, and and that's a way 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 crazy way to look at it. Okay, so I'm going to get deep. You're talking human condition rather yes. than societal influence. Like, we just like violent things as human beings. Wow. Mm. Well, I don't have any violent movies on my best <laughs> list. <laughs> I mean, if it don't sell, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, so give me your number five, Jack. My number five? Yeah. My number five best film? Yes. On my list, let's see, five. I'm going to say it's um, Airplane. Airplane with O.J. Simpson? No, the same guys that did the O.J. Simpson stuff. But I picked a bad time to stop smoking cigarettes? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> then I, bad time to stop sniffing glue, a bad time to stop doing heroin, a bad time to, yeah. That's uh, Lloyd Bridges, uh, some very, very funny stuff. And doesn't the pilot put a co-pilot, goes to co-pilot, and it's like a sex dummy on Yes, the <laughs> that's exactly right. You can inflate it manually through a, a tube at his belt line. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get it. Um, a, <laughs> how many sports movies are on your list, Babette? Um, zero. None. <laughs> how many sports movies on my list? Not one. Rolling Stones, decade of 98 to 2008, not a one. Jack, how many sports movies you got going on well, there? Well, I got at least two. And He's counting. Possibly, yeah, two. So what are those? Field of Dreams and Major League. They're both baseball films. Am I, do, am I not remembering right, which is possible, but didn't you have Tin Cup in a list there? Oh, yeah, Tin Cup uh, was, was also on my alternate list, which I think is the most authentic golf movie of all time. Not Dead Solid Perfect, which is a deep cut into that. Is it that is. that Randy Quaid, I think? Yes, but I, but I thought because of the actual golfers mm -hmm. and the actual courses in Tin Cup, it made it more authentic to and me. Good. And we've seen that play out in real golf. Yeah. Didn't Sergio Garcia drop 15 just one more time? One more time. One more time. And the second time I've got to mention Rene Russo. Yes. I don't know <laughs> that means something. <laughs> there you go. All right. Babette, you ready? I'm ready. Now, these are not in any particular order. So you're not rating them 1 through 10? I'm not. You're just throwing them out there I'm in the cloud? I'm just throwing them out. Say wherever they fall. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I will start with the oldest one, and that is A Thousand Clowns from 1965. Very rare. Uh, you can't even get it on DVD. Do uh, you have it? Uh, when we started dating, Jack looked everywhere for it. Under the couch? Found yeah. No, I found, it behind the on, on, I found a bootleg online. He found a bootleg VHS that had been recorded from TV. <laughs> Ooh. Somehow they showed that movie yeah. on TV once and somebody recorded it. It's it's a very much a Mad Men era thing. It takes place in it was came out in 1965, and I was a kid in New York in uh, the 50s, mm -hmm. and um, 
it's, I just, I loved it. It was about a, a single father who had custody of, well, maybe it wasn't a father, maybe it was his nephew, it didn't matter, uh, but Jason Robards played the guy, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go I- back into the advertising industry, but the social workers come, and they threaten to take the kid away, and he has to go back and take a job. And uh, I think it's interesting that you always kind of go back to where you were when you first saw the movie. Yeah, that's that's an an and that's very connection. true. Uh-huh. Although by 65, I was no longer in New York, mm-hmm. but it's that period, so mm-hmm. it took me back there all right coincidentally jason robards was also in all my presidents all the presidents met there you go as ben bradley yeah all right and uh so another one is a comedy so number two uh, yeah (laughs) 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 a comedy called the anniversary party Uh uh-huh uh where this uh i hesitate to call them a hollywood couple although it does take place in the hollywood hills where I was living at the time when it came out. And uh, this couple has separated and then gotten back together and decide to celebrate their anniversary, and they do drugs, and everybody gets crazy, and it's very funny. Sounds a little bit like the big chill. Um, Oh, interesting. Different drugs. Different drugs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they do ecstasy in the anniversary Ah. party. Um, Things happen. And and the soundtrack isn't quite as good. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So, uh, yeah, it's not anything really like The Big Chill. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 it's really good. Thanks for playing, John. I mean, it, it's, okay. it's really good. I love that. Uh, with um, uh, Alan Cumming and um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Jennifer Beals. What's her name? Jane. Um, oh, it'll come to me. This is why I write them <laughs> we'll down. We'll get it. All right, number three. Okay, uh, Little Miss Sunshine from 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, then an old one from 1979, Chilly Scenes of Winter, John Hurd, who was just in the In Memoriam sec- uh, section of this year's Tonys, hmm. Unrequited Love. Then Living in Oblivion from 1995 has always been very high on my list. It is about some filmmakers trying to make a low-budget movie with just no support and no support from the actor who apparently is based on Brad Pitt being really obnoxious on a set one <laughs> time. And James Legro, I think I, pr- I think I read that the S is silent in his last name. <laughs> <laughs> That's so why I'm saying Legro. So hearing your list and hearing Jack's list, yeah. <laughs> a couple of things. I identify with Jack's list. <laughs> I really don't identify with your list, but it's only because I don't know most of those movies. They're arcane, I know. So... How did I think it would be fun if somebody was listening and wanted to watch one of those movies? You said your first one, not in any order, but your yeah. first one was not, you can't even find it. You can't even find it. But these although, other ones you can find. Although we haven't looked for. We haven't looked in years, mm-hmm. so maybe it is available. But um, the other ones that you mentioned you could find. You just, it's well, the, the rest of my list actually is a little more well known. That's um, what I thought. I don't know it, but I thought yeah. maybe. More people knew than I do. Um, Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Kasdan directed from 1991. Kevin Klein, uh, Mary Mc Mc Donalds. No. Mc McDonough. McFly. No, I don't think so. From Mac and um, Cheese. From I don't. I have to look it McAllister. up. McAllister. Dances with Wolves. I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it is McDonough. Um, yeah, Grand Canyon. It's another ensemble picture of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Danny Glover's in it. That's really good. And then one that I I just spent like a half an hour searching for, finally found it, The Dead Zone. That is, it might have a hint of violence in it. Christopher Walken. Love him. He goes into, he gets in an accident, he's in a coma, and when he wakes up, he has supernatural powers. Mm-hmm. And when he touches somebody, he can see their future. Oh, that sounds interesting. It's called The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken? Yes, and it was made into a oh TV yeah. series, possibly really? with Anthony Michael Hall, but the movie was um, directed by Cronenberg, who does really freaky stuff. He did The Fly and oh yeah, um, that thing about those crazy New York gynecologists. Um, Wacky kids. Yes. I have seen <laughs> The Fly on a lot of lists as kind of an iconic movie. I've seen it a couple of times, but 
I mean, Goldblum's kind of cool anyway, mm-hmm. but... But have you seen the original Fly? Yeah, I have. With, Go on. With, what's his name, Price? Vincent, I have seen Vincent that. Price. Isn't that the one where they have the little fly with the head on it? Yep. Yes. Help me. Help me. Help yeah. me. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, one of my roommates used to do that. She would say, help me. Yes, and they did mention too those co- the sequel or the remakes. Yes, and there was one with Leonard Nimoy about pod people that got a really weird remake um, a few years ago, and they mentioned those as being kind of iconic remakes from certain era. What else you got? Okay, uh, then Juno from two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. I really loved that movie, mm-hmm. and uh, then Mrs. Doubtfire from nineteen ninety three. I remember when I saw that the first time, the scene when Sally Field comes home and finds that her ex-husband is throwing a birthday party for one of the kids and there are livestock in the (laughs) (laughs) house. It could happen to anybody. (laughs) It got hysterical. It could not stop giggling. Okay, keep going. Okay, well, that was 10, but I just mm. added uh, Nashville and Nebraska mm-hmm. to... Just because there are places you know? Yes. Start with N. Uh, Nashville <laughs> also being a Robert Altman ensemble picture, uh-huh. and Nebraska about very old people, older than we are. Um, so good. I have it, seen Nashville somewhere. Not sure about Nebraska. Nebraska's only a few years ago. It was Oscar-nominated. Bruce Dern. And June Squibb, who you know, they're both in their middle to late 70s, and she's been acting for a long time, but this really brought her some fame that she richly mm-hmm. deserved. Interesting. Um, so, you, any, I guess we were talking about the lists are hard to make because when you hear other people talking about a movie, then you're like, oh. And that's what I said. This episode might be better than the original one, where I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but I lost the track to that. But it might be better than that one in that we have a chance now to revise our list. We started thinking about things, and I did revise my list. And I said my number one and two was Tombstone and Braveheart. Right. And then I went with National Lampoon's uh, just Vacation, not Christmas Vacation, ah. because Vacation started it. Right. And... Uh, Rusty and Chevy, they're, they're, the chemistry is just really good. Good talk, um, Dad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then this one changed after I we had the episode, and I was thinking about things. Nothing really from the episode, but just thinking about things. And I thought, you know who I really like is Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And then I struggled between Fences and Training Day because I didn't want to have two Ooh. Denzels on. But then you're going Flight. And oh, flight, flight was, was so, so good. good. <laughs> bust through those doors at the opening of that yes, scene. It, right. It, 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 I get chills right now. Yeah. And so, and when I mentioned that to somebody, they said, "Well, you can't go wrong with Denzel. Just that's just true. Denzel. It's true. That is where it is." But fences made me cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was that, and I don't think that got what it deserved in terms of uh, recognition. But it, but maybe that's just because I have a weird ch- choice of movies. Uh, Training Day with Ethan Hawke. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Oh, my gosh. Those moments when he makes him smoke that crack pipe. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, training day, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Great and film. That might be my dirty that little secret. Good. Great film. Uh, the Breakfast Club, Up in Smoke. For obvious reasons. And <laughs> as I think you guys know, I'm a huge horror movie fan. Uh, but I haven't really seen horror, many horror movies that I would put on a top ten list. But I would, if I had a top ten horror movies list, yes, absolutely. But uh, Dawn of the Dead was my first real initiation into uh, the horror movie genre. Nice. And the first one that really scared me, I was 17 years old, and I almost had to walk out of the movie theater because it was so gruesome. Wow. Looking at it now, of course, you would say, that's pretty funny. But then, uh, when I was 17, it was scary. And do you prefer the psychological horror movies or the slashers? Oh, slashers, blood, all of that. Yeah, lots of that. I Severed uh, limbs everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, I only look at horror movies that are rated R. Yeah. 
because if they're not rated R, I know they're not going to scare me. Right. And finally, not a violent movie, really. I guess this is probably my more romantic of movies, but Scarface uh, is <laughs> so a choice. romantic. Yeah, um, I get it. I think Scarface might be that iconic movie, that movie that I think about when I just think about movies from history, from my history. Uh, but I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it's a, that's a nice list. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is it is violent. So, but I follow what human beings. You guys, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Get Out? Uh, I did like Get Out. It 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 was scary-ish, and I liked it. I would watch that again. And I think for me, that's my my movie, I guess, accolade is if I will watch it again. Mm-hmm. How many movies will you watch again? I actually saw Get Out twice, mm-hmm. uh, and I usually don't watch a movie again, but mm-hmm. my my daughter was home, uh, and she doesn't live here. She was visiting here, and she hadn't seen it, so I sat with her, and we watched it on the TV. And got more things out of it, or were yeah. you like, this is why I don't watch movies twice? No, I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And I watch Tombstone once a year. That is just my, I have to watch it. Yep. But I don't watch movies twice very often either. My next question, get ready. First movie experience. First movie experience like as a like teenager type thing? Well, I'll give you mine. My first movie experience was going on a date, and I don't know how old I was. I think I might have been like 12 or 13. So you were driving. And I was in, in the backseat of my dad's Rambler, and I was going to see Dr. Zhivago. And what do we know when we first thing we think about when we think about Dr. Zhivago? It's a long-ass movie. It's a long, yeah, it a freezing long cold movie. Especially for that time period. Yeah. You know, yeah. Two and a half, three hour movies. That was a long movie. Not only that, but I was going to see a double, head, or a double feature. Wow. <laughs> and in my head as a 13-year-old, all I kept thinking was, I have five hours to make a move. Yeah. What's it going to oh. be? The yawn? <laughs> right. The slide over to the hand-holding? Sure. What am I going to do to make that move? Five hours later... I was a very sad human being. I never made my move. Did you at least get some popcorn or milk duds? I don't. Uh, maybe some popcorn or milk duds or something. But I didn't ever make my romantic move. And I remember like watching each movie. I'm going, okay, this one's almost over, but the next one's coming up, so I'll make my move then. I I, I have it all set. And then no. Wow. So that was my first movie experience. Uh, Babette. Uh, well, you know, when we recorded this before, or didn't record it before, <laughs> ouch! <laughs> I named something I else, it. but I just, I just remembered that I was a very little girl watching The Wizard of Oz on the big screen, probably the Drexel Theater in Bexley, and I have a vivid recollection of the witch's big green face and my screaming. Right. And then I have another one. What did? Did that affect you later? Well, it scared me. I mean, are you scared of that movie to this day? No. <laughs> I ask that because my wife is. Oh, okay. She, she still gets kind of creeped out when she watches that. Those movie. flying monkeys. No, I think I think the mon- monkeys are great. No, I, none of it. <laughs> none of it bothers me now. The but there's another one. Right. There's one other though. As an adult, I researched it to find out the name of this. Mm-hmm. I saw a movie. I don't remember who oh, took me man. or where. I saw it. But there were these people, and they were, it was science fiction, and they got blasted with heat, and they melted. They literally melted, and I woke up screaming with nightmares that I was melting, and the movie was... <laughs> melting! Yes, exactly. There's your, there's your connection. It was Atomic Submarine. Wow. I now have to look that up and see yeah. if I can find it, because yeah. that sounds great. Wow. And when, when my I was sister okay. saw The Exorcist, and she was actually probably 16 or 17, maybe even older, and for the rest of the year, she couldn't sleep without having a light on in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. That's very That's scary stuff. horror movies. Yeah. Jack, your first movie experience? Um, was it it's Mickey hard Mouse and that wagon thing? It's hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> Steamboat <laughs> Willie. When we lived in Sandusky, Ohio... Um, it was safe enough that your parents would drop you off the movie theater for the double feature, and if you were lucky, they wouldn't come pick you up again until the double feature ran it s- twice. So we were Ooh. in the movie theater with some frequency, and there was no rating system. So we saw war movies, and we saw uh, one movie, I can't remember the name of it, stands out that Sidney Poitier was captured by Indians, and they put him on a wagon wheel, and 
um, spun him and shot arrows at him, whatever it was, but it was a lot of stuff like that. But as a almost an adult, I went to see uh, a, a film with a, a young woman, and it was I think it was my first date to a movie, and we saw Alice's Restaurant yeah. in probably 1967 or Did 8. you make a move? Uh, you know, I didn't have any moves, and I, so probably not. No move. I, How I old were you? I don't think so. Sixteen, maybe. Because, what was that? That would probably. I be probably, you know, I probably did make it. Yeah, I probably did make a move, and I probably was rebuffed anyway. So. <laughs> I mean, before Pee Wee Herman, movie theaters were kind of okay yeah, to make right. out and stuff. Yeah, like that's that true. Thing. That's true. That was a turning point, indeed. right? And yeah. the yawn thing was my favorite move. Yeah, big stretch. Yeah. And then suddenly you were making out. Yeah. But you didn't make a move. Uh, not that I recall. All right. Babette, did you make a move? No. Okay, so no moves are made. I think we have exhausted this movie topic enough. Jackie, got anything else you want to add? I'm exhausted, but I would also, um, people should watch older films as well. So I go back to the Anatomy of Murder from the 1950s. Yeah. It's a fantastically well-done film, and the first and only film score by a jazz musician that Babette likes called Duke Ellington. So Everybody likes guy. Duke yeah. Ellington. Jimmy Stewart, Lee Remick, Ben Gazzara, George C. Scott. These are all big names from no, from that era. And Eve Arden. It's just a fantastic film. So check that one out. So check that one out. And that one you can probably find at a library. You can find that at the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Babette, last words. How about your blog? Oh, yeah. Babette Flicks for new movies. Is that interactive, too? I... I don't really know blogs and how they work. Can people comment or write uh, yes, things to you that? Yes, you mm-hmm. may comment. Um, but yeah, it's babetteflix.blogspot.com and um, it's, it's all the new movies. But I think what I want to say to people is go to the theater. Go to the theater and see movies because the movies need that to survive. We won't have as many if you wait for Netflix or streaming. And it's a better atmosphere. It's a way better atmosphere. It's quiet. You don't have other things distracting you. And movies are different at the theater, especially like comedies. People will laugh more, and, yes. and you'll feel a little more hilarity than if you're just sitting at home on your couch. Yes. Um, walking back and forth to the fridge. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so this is The Gray Area, and if you want to write anything, you can email us at thegrayarea1. That's an Arabic one and G-R-A-Y area. Uh, the Gray Area One, and you can talk about movies or just connect. I think that's about it. I'm John. I'm Jack. I'm Babette. And have a great day. You didn't say at AOL. Oh.